Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. thought about having you guys like clap along with that, whoa, sing a little bit, but I didn't. Um, I'm glad to be here this morning. We're continuing this series, How to Make a Bad Decision, because I know that you woke up and thought... How do I make a bad decision today? So we'd love to tell you, actually, what we're doing, as you know, we're talking about the principles of making good decisions, but we're using stories in, from the Bible to look at bad decisions that, that were made. And, and I'm here today, um, let me tell you quickly where Josh and, and one of our other pastors, Bruce, is. Uh, OCC, we're excited. We're launching a church next year, middle of next year. And so our senior pastor, Josh, and Bruce Wood, Currently an associate pastor here, who we, but he will be launching out next year to start a new church out of OCC. So we're pumped about that. But right now, them and their wives are on a vision trip, meeting with other church planters, two other church families uh, from our network of churches that they're getting to spend time with, talk about planting, and we're, we're beginning to prep the woods, Bruce and Aaron Wood, uh, for their launch. And so, so, so you got me today. I'm John. I'm one of the other pastors here at OCC. Really glad to be here. This is a fun uh, series because we're, it's actually pretty story-driven. We're going to get to look at stories and, and learn some principles about decision-making from them. So in week one, we looked at how to make a bad decision. Number one, think short-term. Think too short, and I promise you'll make a bad decision. All right, check. We probably have all done that. Last week, we looked at refusing wise counsel. And how, de- how that can be a detriment to our decision-making process. Okay, and today we're looking at this issue, giving in to pressure. All right, and so we all have pressure in life. I don't have to convince you. Um, it probably wouldn't take long if I were to talk to you one-on-one to identify the pressure points in your life. In fact, when we try to get to know each other, a common thing is like, oh, what's going on? And our mind first goes to the pressure in life. And so sometimes this is just right on the surface because we all feel the, the pressure, the crunch of trying to make progress in whatever we're doing uh, in the moment, trying to get ahead. The pressure to keep our heads above water. Maybe you even use that, that term this week. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Maybe the demands from other people on you is an intense source of pressure. Or uh, sometimes the expectations we put on ourselves is, a, is an incredible source of pressure as well. So just for fun, just to kick off the idea of pressure, I have a video clip for you. It's a comedian, Jim Gaffigan. You may have heard of him or seen him. Uh, many parents will be able to relate to this especially, but take a look at this. I uh, recently became a father. Thank you. Became a father for the fourth time. Four kids. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. (laughs) Even if you don't have kids, maybe you, you could feel like that at work. You're drowning in projects, and here's another project. Or at school, your workload, you're maxed out, and here's another thing. Or just... For all of us, the combination of all of our responsibilities combined, we can feel that. We can feel like we're drowning. And so since, since this is a normal human experience, there's a lot of quotes about it. Check out this one. It says, pressure can burst a pipe, but pressure can also make a diamond. So it's kind of nice, right? But normally, we don't identify with the diamond. We identify with the pipe that's about to burst. We feel the pressure. Then there's this one. 
You've seen motivational uh, posters. This is a demotivational one. It says pressure. It can turn a lump of coal into a flawless diamond or an average person into a perfect basket case. We can identify with this. Pressure is normal. It actually, what the, these diamond references, in a spiritual sense, we know that God can use pressure to grow us and to perfect us. In fact, James 1 talks about that. But like this quote, pressure can distort our clear thinking. Basket case is not typically synonymous with good decision maker. I was thinking, I don't want that to be described of the pilot of my next flight. He's, he's a basket case. You know, that's not going to be a good decision making state of mind. We need clear thinking to make good decisions. And, and there's all kinds of pressure. There's all, there's really, we're going to talk about a few different sources. Internal, there's some pressure. And from the outside, there's all kinds of pressure. Um, there's pressure internally. Have you ever wanted something really bad? <laughs> Probably. You know, think of the last thing that you really wanted really bad, and there's so much pressure, and you woke up thinking about it, or, you know, you, you keep checking the price, or anyway. But we can be so impulsive, right? The, the pressure builds out of nowhere because we want something. With technology, we can make bad decisions pretty quickly now. It has sped up our our bad decision process. If you've set up one, what is it, one-click per Whatever, you know what I'm saying. You can, you, with one button, you can make a bad decision over and over. It feeds this impulse that we tend to have. That's an internal pressure. It causes us to crave more, so we spend more. Or it causes us to want to look good, so we might make others look bad. Or it causes us to we want to have look like we have it all together, which actually just leads us to being fake maybe with other people, especially those that care, with a, care about us. And that's just the internal pressure. What about the pressure from others, the outside pressure? There are plenty of people who have a plan for your life. And it may not be what God's plan is for you. And, and some of you can, can already think uh, and identify with that. Some people want, to make, want us to make them happy. And maybe not necessarily thinking of what God wants. Um, but the, the advice that people give or the way they treat us or just their influence in our life can be can be a source of pressure and impact our decision-making process. And then we end up going down the wrong path in life as we make decision after decision heading the wrong way. So here's the deal. When it comes to the decision-making process, which after all, that's what this series is all about, giving into pressure derails our progress and it diminishes our purpose. You can follow along in that listening guide. Pressure can derail our progress. We get off track. It can also diminish our purpose. When we give into the pressure to get what we want or to give others what they want from us, then, then we lose sight of what God wants for us. God's way of life is the best way of life. We believe that. The Bible says that. Jesus said that in John 10.10. 10, life with Jesus is the full life. But when we make decisions under the wrong types of pressure or listening to the wrong voices, um, then we get crooked. We get off track. And so here's, let me show you a picture. Think, think of, uh, of this, or notice the damage of this picture. This is a pressure cooker on the stove. And check out the damage. Do you notice the lid in the ceiling? The lid, the pressure just mangled everything. The oven is broken. The hood vent. There's a lid in the ceiling. I'm sure that family didn't set out to, to prepare a kitchen remodel for dinner. They had a different thing in mind. But this is what pressure can do to our lives 
as we make decisions. Today we're going to look at, at a, a story, a man in the Bible whose name is Samson. And you, you may have heard of his story. It's a famous, he's a famous character in the Old Testament. His story is in the book of Judges. There's a whole book called Judges. And don't think like Supreme Court judges. What, what, what a judge was, uh, was somebody who got appointed in the story of his people. This happened long before Jesus came, where his people, the Israelites, kind of got off track. They got distracted. They stopped doing what God wanted them to do, and then they realized it. The consequences came, and they realized that. So God appointed a judge. There's men and different women that God appointed to help steer his people back and kind of save his people, whether militarily or just in a spiritual sense, to remind them of their great purpose as God's people. And so Samson was a judge. He was famous for many things, and he's definitely a larger-than-life character from the Old Testament. I remember hearing about the stories of Samson as a kid. I grew up going to church and hearing these stories, and there's some really cool stuff, you guys. We don't have time to, to read it all. you got to read it. Um, go, I wrote the references in, in your listening guide. But Samson killed a lion with his bare hands. How cool is that? I'd get like a, if, if I could do that, I'd just get a tattoo or something, like lion killer. He actually ripped the jaws of a, with his bare hands, he, he killed a lion. I think that's so cool. I know that's kind of grotesque. And Anyway, uh, he also killed, this one is also kind of gross. He killed a thousand men with a his only weapon was the jawbone of a donkey, an actual bone. He also ripped out city gates, probably weighing five or six tons, hiked 36 miles uphill and dropped them off there just to kind of prove a point. He captured 300 foxes one time, tied their tails together, put a torch on them, and they, he lit their tails, the torch on their tails, and set them loose through his enemies' orchards and, and vineyards, or not vineyards, just their crops and their orchards. To, to get retaliation. Isn't that kind of kind of cool? I mean, it's, I'm not suggesting you go do this, but Samson, he was like this macho, get it done, kind of like a superhero. But I, I remember hearing some of these things as a, as a kid, but I, I read the story now as an adult, and there's a, there's a little more nuance to this man and his story. Um, and interestingly, he's more relatable to you and I than, than you first think. In many ways, he wasn't a superhero, but he struggled with the many pressures of life that we face today. His story is crazy. I think there's a movie about it. I'm going to, I haven't seen it. I, I'm going to guess it doesn't do it justice. It would be super R-rated. It would be super intense, super epic, but, but also with some epic failures as well. So what I want to do is look at Samson's life. I'm going to give you a flyover, just kind of touch some key things, and then we're going to look at how he caved into the pressure. So I, you have a, a, a timeline on your listening guide that you can, you can look along here. Again, I encourage you to go read the story. It's an interesting read. But here's the, here's the timeline, kind of the story of Samson. Before he was born, an angel of the Lord, God sent an angel to talk to his parents and say, that child in your womb is going to be set apart for God's work. Um, until the day of his death, he's going to do God's work. And parents, I pause for that on a second. Wouldn't that be cool to, if an angel came to you and said, your child is going to be used by God? That'd be so awesome. So, so his parents are pumped. Next, so growing up, his parents did their best. They tried to tell him of his great purpose. I'm sure they raised him to, to be thinking of what would please God. But 
Samson kept making decisions based on what he wanted, not on what his parents likely taught him to do, which was what God wanted. It's evidenced by these next series of bullet points. He falls in love with a Philistine woman. Ironically, God has appointed Samson to save Israel from the Philistines. This was the the saving that they needed in this season. Um, But Samson falls in love with a Philistine woman. Um, Crazy story. You should read it. Basically, this is where the, the, the jawbone story is, at the wedding feast. So imagine like at the wedding reception, Samson makes a bad wager with some Philistine men. Um, they, they solve the riddle, and, and in retaliation, he kills them. At, right there at his wedding, it's, it, it's how it reads to me when I read that. And, and so then, in retaliation against him, his new wife and, and her father were killed. And so then he retaliates again and kills a thousand men. That's the jawbone uh, of a donkey story. This is crazy stuff, you guys. This is real. Read it. Um, it's crazy. But you can already start to see how Samson caves into some pressure. But then it goes on. There's another episode, episode with a Philistine woman. She's a prostitute. And then there's a third woman, Delilah, which is the one you may you, – typically we hear of Samson and Delilah. This is, this is the majority of the story we have in, in the book of Judges. He falls in love with Delilah. They, they start dating. They're in love, puppy love, whatever. And she is gets a, um, she's a Philistine. The, the leaders, the Philistine leaders come to her and say, we will give you tons of money if you help us figure out how to defeat this man. And uh, so – to the tune of $90,000, some would say, a uh, modern you know, translation of what she was offered. So she eventually wears him down. He shares his secret, and that's the decision that leads to his demise, ultimately. The Philistines capture him, imprison him, gouge out his eyes. He's forced to grind at the mill. Uh, I, I picture him, the pictures I've seen are him pushing you know, something, and it's grinding at the mill, forced labor the rest of his life. But... Samson was brought out for a Philistine party one time. All the major leaders were there, and he was placed in the middle of the party so they could mock him and sort of prove, we've captured Samson. But God returned his strength once more. Samson was able to push the pillars that were holding up the structure, uh, killing 3,000 of the Philistines. Interestingly, ultimately fulfilling his purpose that God set out to do with his life is to defeat the Philistines. And in doing so, his own life uh, was ended. Uh, so it's really this epic ending uh, to the story of his life. So you've got to read it. I, I didn't do it justice just now. So read the story. But from his life and his decisions, we can learn a lot about giving into the pressure and the damage that it can cause in our own life. So let me share with you three ways I think Samson caved into the pressure. Number one, he caved over and over into his selfish desires. That selfishness that was inside of him, although he was the strongest man in the world probably that ever has lived, uh, he caved. He was weak against this kind of pressure. On multiple occasions, he lost that internal battle with his own selfish desires. Against his father's advice, not to initially fall in love with a Philistine woman. So this is the back to the first woman that he fell in love with. His parents said, isn't there anyone else? For you, But look at what Samson said. He replied to his father, or he said to his father, get her for me. She is right in my eyes. Isn't there a lot of things that are right in our eyes? And in hindsight, uh, that wasn't right. That wasn't the right thing. Maybe you've made a bad decision because it looked right. 
your eyes were captured or your heart was drawn in. Maybe it was a decision about a relationship like, like Samson's here. Or maybe you were just at a buffet line and it all looked right and later on you, you made the, the wrong decision at the buffet line. Or maybe it was a purchase, you know, that, that you, it looked right and, and you wanted it so you made the purchase. Looking right in our own eyes is a shaky reason to make a decision, often leading in a bad one. One time I bought a used car. Uh, this was years ago. Um, and let me, let me just summarize it. I bought a cool look, what I thought was a really cool old used car. It was a forerunner, this black SUV. I could picture myself driving down the beach, you know, with my sunglasses on. Um, somehow the test drive went well, but then you know the rest of the story. It turned out to be a major lemon. It didn't even turn right uh, after the test drive. It, it, anyway, um, and then I found out the odometer had been rolled back by 200,000 miles. Not 200, not 2,000, 200,000. So obviously it wasn't reliable. I lost a lot of money on that bad decision. The issue was I thought it looked good. It looked right in my eyes. I could see myself driving that thing. So it was a long time ago. Don't feel bad for me still. I learned my lesson. I need a mechanic to go with me next time. But selfishness, seeing things, it's right in my own eyes. This type of internal pressure that we did just bubbles up. It comes naturally. It's actually wired in from birth. Look at this uh, proverb twenty-two, fifteen. Folly, and this is that selfish kind. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. It is super glued to us from birth. Folly is there, and the pressure that builds from this selfish desire can be damaging in our decision making. Whether it's relationships or purchases or or whatever. It, it can really get us off course. And we've got to figure out how to protect from the internal pressure that comes, just like Samson. But next, another way Samson caved into the pressure was the pressure to please Delilah. The pressure of selfishness comes from within, but pressure from others is another source. It actually might be more intense for you, the pressure from other people. This was Delilah was the third woman Samson was infatuated with. She had a real motive for his destruction, $90,000 motive, to see his destruction. But somehow Samson was either blinded by that or he thought he was strong enough to withstand that kind of pressure. But check out, excuse me, check out Judges 16. This is the kind of pressure that Delilah was able to create. It says, she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. Um, that's not a word we say very often, but that sounds pretty dramatic, right? He was vexed. Another translation says he was annoyed to death. Another one said she nagged him until he was tired to death. So you get the picture. Um, check out this video that shows what I think this must have looked like. Would you talk to him for me and see if he likes me? No, I don't think I can. Oh, please, Jim. Please, please, Jim. Please, please, please. He's so cute. I like him so much. And I would do it, but I'm too shy. Please, Jim. Please, 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 Jim. Please, please. You know that look. You felt that. That's what I pictured, Delilah. Please, please. Actually, read the story. It's interesting. Four times she she tries different tactics, but he is so worn down by the pressure. And he eventually reveals what he should not have revealed. And that was the decision that really fast-forwarded him to, to his demise. We all face pressure from others. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's more subtle, perhaps more manipulative. We need to be discerning about this. 
I recently set up a, a small home office, which just means a little desk in my bedroom. Um, and check out this note. The second day of work, I showed up to my desk and I got this note from my daughter. She's, she just turned seven. It says, Dear Daddy, I know that you have to work, but I would like if you could play with us. Love, Bryn. Of course, I wanted to drop everything and go play, you know, this, that's so cute. By the way, we're working on spelling, you know, it's okay. <laughs> that's kind of what makes it cute. But actually, isn't that subtle? What if I would have you know, neglected all my responsibilities that day because I got a cute note from my daughter. That, 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 that would have been a bad decision to neglect what I needed to do. By the way, I played with her later. Um, but we need to be discerning about pressure from others. She didn't intend, you know, to diminish my progress or, or my purpose and derail my progress. But we need to be discerning about this. Maybe you can identify a poor decision that you've made because of the pressure from the outside, from others. Um, and like Samson, that decision could have derailed your progress. So we need to learn how to protect against this. But let's look at this third way that Samson caved. He lost sight of his purpose. From birth, again, an angel told his parents, this boy is going to be set aside for a great purpose. Um, this is, this is uh, in Judges 13.7. This is the account. The angel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son. This is Samson's mom receiving this message. Now then, drink no wine or fermented drink and and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. And what a Nazarite was, was just somebody set aside. Now we know God was appointing him to be a judge, what, what later became known as a judge of Israel. But you and I can relate to this as well, actually. I don't probably... I don't think an angel came to your, your mom uh, when she was pregnant and, and revealed a great plan and purpose for, for you after you were born. But look at Ephesians 2.10. This says that those who follow Jesus Christ were created to do good works. God already prepared for, for them those works for us to do. So as followers of Jesus, we have great purpose in life doesn't take an angel of the Lord coming to your parents to, to say that. Because of Jesus, we have not only great hope in life, but great purpose in life. So no doubt, back to Samson, no doubt his parents told him, hey, by the way, remember the angel story? And Samson's like, Dad, don't tell me the angel story again. Um, I'm sure they told him, you have great purpose, Samson. Your life is going to matter. You are set as, you're set apart for God's work. We can relate to that because of Jesus Christ as well. But the internal pressure plus the external pressure from others, for Samson, it, it, it blurred his vision. He lost sight. This can happen to us, too. We can lose sight of our purpose in life. We can lose sight of our value as people created in God's image. We can lose sight of the mission that God has invited us into. And when we fall into those traps, we move through life without reference to that higher vision, and we get off track. This morning, I wrote this in my notes, and then this morning it happened. Have you ever driven to the wrong place, um, and you get there, and you're like, I'm supposed to be at work, but I ended up at this other place, or vice versa. I, I did that, no joke, this morning. Sometimes we, we, we just kind of get in autopilot, or we, don't, we lose sight of what are we doing right now, and we get to the wrong place. And that's a terrifying thought when we apply that to our lives. Think about in your whole life, if you lose sight of your purpose, of, of, of a high vision that God has for you, you can get to the end of your life and realize, I'm not where I want it to be. And that's pretty terrifying. 
Samson, that happened to Samson. Ultimately, God used him for his purpose, but Samson gave in to the pressure, following his selfish desires, caving into the pressure to please others, and losing sight of his, of his purpose. Imagine if Samson was able to protect against those things. His story was already epic. Imagine what his Instagram would have looked like if he had Instagram. But now imagine how much greater he could have been if he was able to protect against these things. This is really heavy. I can imagine Samson grinding at the mill, eyes gouged out. He can't see. He's only able to see his past decisions in his mind, rehearsing those and the regret he must have felt. That's a pretty heavy feeling. But that makes this next truth so amazing. And it's that despite that, God still accomplished what he wanted through Samson's life. Ultimately, he was to fulfill what God had him do, which was to defeat the the Philistines. That's an amazing truth for us too. You might be rehearsing some of your bad decisions and noticing how it's taken you off track in life, but there is great hope that God can redeem uh, those bad decisions. Write down uh, Genesis 50:20. Read that later. That's a great, great hope. What others intend for harm, God uses for good. We, but we've got to learn how to, moving forward, we have to learn how to protect from these pressures. So let's look at that briefly. Let's look at how to protect from these pressures. And number one, it comes as we fear God instead of people. We see what happened with Samson. He eventually caved into the pressure from, put on from him by Delilah. And it cost him everything. But, but we need to guard against that. We need to fear God. Look at Proverbs 9.10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear of the Lord, I'm going to unpack that. But when we fear God, that's the breakthrough point to getting wisdom, according to, to that proverb. And wisdom is being able to read a situation and then exercise good judgment. That's the heart of good decision making. We need wisdom. And fear of the Lord, it seems like a, you know, okay, how do I get that? How do I do fear of the Lord? It seems like a big theological thing. And it's true, a lot can be said about fearing God. But let me boil it down to this. Take God seriously enough to obey him. When you do that, you unlock wisdom and you unlock good decision making. On the other hand, fear of man, that means that we elevate what people say above what God has said. And then we start to operate and do things and live our life according to that higher voice. But look at this proverb, 29.25. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. That's the story of Samson's life. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. When we fear man, which just, that is to say, people other than God, we're subject to their judgment, to their desires. And when we make decisions like that, That's a snare. That's not safe. But when you fear God, when you take God seriously, elevating his voice above all others, then your decisions will be wise. And when we stop to think about that, you know, maybe you're here, you've been following God for a long time. Maybe you're here today and you're just kind of exploring. What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to trust God, like practically? Then this this is really a no-brainer. When we stop and think about it, Choose to follow God's judgment over the imperfect people in our life. And I'm going to give you a next step at the end that that allows you to test this. Okay, so stay tuned for that. It's a little teaser. But but just think about it. 
Live your life according to God's way. He, after all, he created it. He designed life. He knows how it's going to work. He's given you great purpose. Follow his voice, not the voice of others around us. You really can make the best decisions if you have wisdom. But next, here's a second way to protect against the pressure, and that is to turn to God for help. That sounds pretty um, like, duh, you know, turn to God for help. But really, do it. Like moment by moment, we need God's help. Look at this uh, incredible passage. There's two key promises from this passage I want to show you. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, no temptation. By the way, temptation, you can just replace the word pressure. Pressure to do what is wrong. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So by the way, don't believe that you're the only one that has ever felt this type of pressure. We all do. And here's the promise. God is faithful. Pause. Think about that. God is faithful. We talk about being faithful towards God, but have you ever really pondered that God is faithful to you? That is an incredible promise. That's an incredible truth. It blows my mind when I think about that. I challenge you. Think about that later. But he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Here's another cool thing as the verse continues. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. So God is faithful to you, and he provides a way out. Sometimes we only see option A or option B. They're both bad. It's a lose-lose situation, we say. But this verse says, no, there's option C. God will give you a way out. He won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And, and sometimes uh, we, we get into this situation. One, one of the great truths that I, it just kind of blew my mind one day, I realized there's, there's never only two options. I, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty simple guy, and when I learned that, there's never only two options, A or B. There's always a C, maybe even a D, but ask God for help to find the way out when the pressure seems so great. Pray a prayer like this. This is what this looks like. Say, God, I don't see the option. I don't see the way out of this. I don't know how to, how to do what's right in your eyes in this situation today right now. Would you help? Show me the way. And God is faithful. He will help you. He'll show you the way out. Sometimes it's immediate and something comes to mind and God helps. Sometimes he uses wise people in your life. Like we talked about last week, seek wise counsel and then heed that. And that's sometimes how God will work in our lives. But ask God for help and he will help you. The third way to protect against the pressure is this. Choose your associates well. Those who you associate with. Be, be choosy. Choose wisely. Look at this proverb, 13, 20. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've heard it this way, a sticky statement. Pick your friends, pick your future. Maybe you can identify as you've chosen a certain uh, set of friends and in a season of life, how they had influence on you. It's true. This happens. But this verse goes beyond just your friends. That's why I'm using the word associates. Those who you associate with. Basically, anyone who has impact on your life. It could be friends. It could be someone you go into business with. It could be someone you look up to. Nowadays, with social media, you could literally have a thousand associations online. And don't be fooled that there's no influence through that channel as well on your life. This can be a source of pressure. Those who we associate with. And so we're cautioned here to choose wisely. Choose your associates well. Choosing the right group, the right associates will lead to success and, and pleasing God. 
A practical step to take in this area is just consider who are my associates? Who has influence in my life? Do they lead me to make the right decisions before God? And if they are, that's great. But if they don't, then, then consider what steps you need to do. I'm not saying drop all your friends, you know, uh, and walk away. I'm just saying let, let the closest friends be those that draw you towards pleasing God and not the opposite. Had Samson done those three things, if he guarded against the pressure, if he feared man more than, I'm sorry, <laughs> scratch. If he feared God more than man, his life would have looked a lot different. If he guarded against the pressure, just ask God to help in those intense moments of temptation. His life would have looked a lot different. And now you and I, we're left with a choice. Not if we're going to experience pressure even the rest of today or this week, but how we will handle it. So, so consider that. When we make decisions, even small ones, based on this pressure, we're prioritizing what's most important to us. So when the pressure comes, what will you do? Are you going to respond to the pressure from within, the, the selfish desire that's, that's most important in that moment? Are you going to respond to the pressure from others uh, on your life? Or are you going to consider what God has said and practice fearing God in that moment, taking him seriously enough, doing what he says? So, so as I wrap up, I'll invite the worship team to join me back on the stage. But consider taking a next step. We looked at the story of Samson. We looked at some scripture, some incredible promises. What are you going to do today and this week with what God has has spoken to us? Consider, I've given you a few options. Consider reading a proverb a day. Proverbs is kind of cool. There's 31 chapters. There's 31 days in October. Do one a day. Start on chapter 6. It's okay. You can catch up on the first five later. But, But do this. Read a proverb. Pick one thing and try to apply it. That day, as you do that, two things will happen. Number one, you're going to grow your fear of the Lord. Like I said, take God seriously enough and do what he says. So read a proverb, do something that that he says in there. The second thing that happens, I alluded to this earlier, you're going to find out that you really can trust God. If you're exploring, can I trust him? Try reading a proverb and doing one thing because you'll, you'll learn, wow, what God said is right. It's true. And not only that, when I did it, it went well for me. And, and so maybe you're investigating. Maybe you, you know you can trust God, but you just need that refresh. So read his word. Apply something that day that you read. Another thing you can consider doing is choose your associates well. And you can do that here. By the way, we're not perfect uh, at OCC. No, nobody is perfect, but we're trying to work out our faith and fear of the Lord. So join us, join a group, join a team, join another setting where you can get around people uh, and choose your associates well. There's a blank line. Maybe God said something else to you entirely. Write it down. I hope that you will do what God is asking you to do in response to him today. So let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Samson. Um, it's, it gives us so much hope that even though he caved, you redeemed him. We read about him. He is still a hero of the faith, God, because, because of you. And, and that hope, that redemption is, is available to us. So I pray that we would grow in our fear of you, that we would be wise, that our decisions would reflect you being the, the highest voice in our life, not others, not ourselves. But we need help with that, God. And so I, I thank you that you offer help. I pray that you would 
Allow us to take you up on that help today and the rest of this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.